Back in the 70s, board games and improv theater had a baby. And it was called the role-playing game. These games allowed a generation of kids to live out their dreams of slaying dragons and saving kingdoms, all while sitting in their bedrooms and basements. Today, gaming has moved into the cultural mainstream, and role-playing games are back with a vengeance. Join us now as five of these former kids come out of the basement and onto the internet to experience adventure, mystery, and obscure pop culture references. It's time for Roll for Combat! Hello everyone, and welcome to Roll for Combat, a Starfinder role-playing game actual play podcast. You're listening to the very first episode of our show, and I'm your host and Game Master, Stephen Glicker. And in this very first episode, you'll meet the four other players of our podcast. You'll get introduced to the Starfinder world and the Starfinder Society by our special NPC guest, Thirsty Hillman. He's the developer for Starfinder Society of Organized Play from Paizo themselves. And right after that, we're going to jump right into the madness and start the Dead Sun's adventure path. So once again, I wanted to thank you for coming and listening to our podcast. But before we begin, I kind of wanted to give you a little overview of what you could expect over the next oh, several episodes, if not years. And why listen to us? There's so many of these shows out there. Well, first of all, you can never have too many of these shows. But more importantly, we've been playing role-playing games our entire lives, all five of us. And between the five of us, we have about 170 years of role-playing experience. I know that sounds insane, but it is actually true. We are a little bit older, so we have a lot of experience, and we've been playing this since we were itty-bitty little kids. So at this point, we basically know what we're doing, and we play a little bit probably more unorthodox than most players. We kind of challenge ourselves to do crazy things, which can make for interesting role-playing discussions and arguments between each other. Again, it's a fun time had by all. Um, Second of all, we've been playing together for over a dozen years and through many, many adventure paths. We've played Age of Worms, Karen Crown, Kingmaker, Iron God, Strange Eons, as well as others. And we knew we had to jump into the new Starfinder adventure path right away because we couldn't let that go by. So with that, we've been together for about a dozen years. We've known each other even longer, and we've played on and off with each other for over 20 years. But together, we've played about a dozen years. So when you have a group that tight, you're going to hear a lot of crazy antics, fun fights, um, rules lawyering, and pop culture references galore. You know, if you like to hear a bunch of friends play role-playing games and rip on each other endlessly, then you're probably going to like this show. Finally... We have a lot of connections into the gaming world. I myself used to have a podcast called Gaming Steve about 14 years ago. And John Stats, who's one of the players, worked at Blizzard and developed about 20 dungeons for World of Warcraft and also worked a bit on Overwatch. So you'll get a unique look into the Pathfinder and Starfinder world and what we think about how the game is actually built in Um, works from a game developer's point of view. Plus, something I like to do is I like to have NPCs, people from the game world or real world, come in and play NPCs as guests. So for tonight, we're actually starting up 
with Thirsty, who's going to be playing the contact for our players to the Starfinder Society. And I thought there's probably no one better to introduce them to the Starfinder Society than the man who literally runs the Starfinder Society. So something I wanted to explain is that today's episode is kind of a like episode zero in the sense that we go through a lot of the history of Starfinder and the society and go through the worlds and how it's built through Thirsty. Since this world is so new to everyone at this point, it's only been out for about a month. I really thought it would be nice to get an insight of what to expect and to give the characters kind of an overview of what they would know from someone who literally developed the world for them. And so there's a little bit of an episode zero feel to this. We introduce ourselves, introduce our characters, and introduce the world, and then we get started. But I felt this would also be interesting to anyone who just wants to play in the Starfinder universe, that they can get all this information that they normally couldn't get anywhere else. Finally, I wanted to thank everyone who's listening to this new podcast. We're going to be having a huge giveaway. We're going to be giving away over $800 in prizes, plus a special bonus prize to every single person who enters the contest. So what is this I'm talking about? Well, first of all, here's how it's going to work. There's a grand prize when the contest ends. You get a $250 Amazon gift card where you can buy as many role-playing books as you want for anything you want, plus a very special custom Roll for Combat t-shirt that I'm going to design specifically for you using the artwork that's created by our amazing artist on the site. Um, First prize is a $100 Amazon gift card plus a t-shirt. Second prize is a $50 Amazon gift card plus a t-shirt. And third prize is a $25 Amazon gift card plus a t-shirt. But on top of that, because the contest doesn't end until the end of November, every single week, every single episode, I'm going to choose one entry and give them a $25 Amazon gift card every show, every week. So all you need to do is enter and you can win a $25 gift card every week. And then when the contest ends, you can win one of the four grand prizes, which is $250 or $100 or $50, $25 Amazon gift card. And by the way, every single person who enters will also get sent at the end of the contest custom role-playing content created by professionals made specifically for the show and for use in your role-playing game campaign. You'll be emailed that at the end of the contest. The contest goes until November 30th, 2017. How do you enter? It couldn't be easier. All you need to do is go to the iTunes podcast page for our show, Roll for Combat, subscribe to the show, and write a review of it in iTunes and submit your review. After you've entered your review, all you need to do is just send us your email address and iTunes nickname. Whatever you used for the review, send that to contest at rollforcombat.com and you'll be entered. That's it. So basically, just write a review of the show, anything you think of it, good, bad, otherwise. Email us your email address and your iTunes nickname so we can make sure that you did it. And you're entered. Just listen to the shows. If we call your name, you win the prize. Uh, We'll have it every show. The show's a weekly show. We already have several in the can, so we're not going anywhere. Don't worry, we're not going to resell your email addresses or do anything bad with it. That's it. So you're going to have, I guess now about 10 weeks of prizes where you can win every week and then at the end of the 10 weeks we'll have the grand prize so once again 
If you like what you hear, subscribe to us at iTunes. You could also visit us at RollForCombat.com, where we have bios of all the characters, bios of the players. We have insanely amazing artwork that we're creating specifically for the show and will continue to create for the show. In addition to the podcast, you'll also be able to access articles that we're going to be adding to the website. Jason McDonald, who's one of the top Quora article writers on Quora, five years running, he's going to be creating a lot of the articles as well as many of the other players. So if there's anything you want us to cover, let us know and we'll try our best. So with that, let's get this show started and welcome to episode one of Roll for Combat. Everyone, welcome to our brand new campaign where we're going to be playing with the Starfinder rule set. This is the first new rule set that we've played with since the original Pathfinder rule set from Paizo. We're going to be playing the Dead Sun's Adventure Path, which will take our characters from level 1 to 12. And before we will go around and introduce ourselves and who we're playing and what we're doing, I brought on a special guest. I thought, who better to introduce everyone to the world of Starfinder and, most importantly, Starfinder Society, in which your characters are going to join, than developer of Starfinder Society of Organized Play. From Paizo himself, I brought in Thurston Hillman, better known as Thirsty, to help us out. Yay. Hi, everyone. Woo-hoo. Wow. All right. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome, Thirsty. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Oh, boy. I got to read the rules now. Hold on. <sighs> no, no, you don't. No, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'm making up half the time, too. Don't worry. It's all good. Developers drop loot, right? I mean, if we were actually like to somehow like beat you. Oh yeah, uh, I drop I drop one d four plus two core rule books. Uh, <laughs> now, do you actually take bribes? That would be wrong. That would be wrong. I am not answering the question directly, <laughs> yeah. but that would be wrong. Fun fact: I actually did bribe Thirsty at PaizoCon this year to help us answer a trivia question, which he did, and then we lost the point because we bribed him. So, yeah. It's true. It's true. Bribery doesn't pay, but it does get me a drink. So, well, if you're not cheating, then you're not, you don't care enough. So, <laughs> tell that to the Red Sox. Yeah. <laughs> so, I brought Thirsty in to play the dwarf, Doravor Creole. He was the person who actually recruited all of you into the Starfinder Society. And I figured, why not bring in the guy who literally runs the Starfinder Society to introduce us all into this world? So let's go over why you've even come to Absalon Station. You have come here to look for new opportunity. You need to find something new. Maybe you need a job or maybe running from someone or something. Or perhaps you simply needed a change of pace or scenery. Whatever your reasons, you came across Duravor Creel's ad on your local Infosphere where he said to you, Free transportation to Absalom Station. Absolutely no credits required. The Starfinder Society will pay the transportation costs for qualifying candidates. No obligation. Just attend a small meeting to discuss the opportunities available as a member of the most prestigious explorer society in the Pact World system. An Infosphere address, after the advertisement, put you in touch with a local travel agency that booked you on a transport. You gathered your personal belongings and made whatever arrangements you needed to make. Before long, you were seated in your transport heading to Absalon Station and ready to begin a new phase in your life. After arriving within the station's sensor coverage, your transport moved into a holding position and waited for a charter shuttle to arrive and take you down to the docking bay, 
The shuttle captain told you that he'd been directed to hook you up at docking bay number 94, and the trip would take about an hour from the last pickup point. He then complained about how long his job has been taking because there's some weird quarantine zone that the port control goons put in place after the pinhead lawyers resolved some dispute over the disposition of some salvage ship that showed up that had some weird stuff. Well, don't worry about that. Unfortunately, his comm link to the port station was open when they heard all that, and they took offense to the comments, and the captain quickly shut his cockpit door, so you only heard the muffled shouts and curses from the ensuing argument. Left to your own devices, you eyed the refreshment dispenser at the back of the cabin and sized up the other travelers who responded to Creel's offer. I had heard they were going to serve a lunch. Mo is getting up, and he's going to elbow his way to get at the drinks to see if any of these are, uh, uh, well... I'm going to see if any of them are alcoholic, whether or not any of them are free or just unguarded would be good enough for him. So that's what he's going to be doing. It's like watered down coffee and stale donuts. Oh, nothing valuable. Nothing you can. Uh, well, you say your name is Mo. Uh, and I just want to let you know, sir, you know, I don't mind Vesk, even though you, you know, backstabbed us and betrayed us and invaded our entire, you know, star system a while ago. Really, I'm just fine with y'all. So, hey, good to meet you. Well, we, 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 I apologize. I was in the rear, you know, making sure everybody had their ammo, but, um, in uh, the rear with the gear, as I said, yeah, right? in the rear with the gear, making sure, but it, doing honestly, the sort of job that can be easily replaced by robots. You guys, you guys are making, you're, you're so easy to conquer, but. So you're saying you didn't specifically yourself slaughter all of our races. You simply worked hard to facilitate others to slaughter all of our races. So why don't you guys all go around, introduce yourselves, who you are in real life, and who your characters are? Uh, you, with the things sticking out of your head. Who, me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, my, name, my real name is Chris. I am from originally from uh, Brooklyn, New York, but I live in New Jersey now. And as far as geek cred, as it were... Yeah, I've been a gamer for a long time. Started with uh, basic Dungeons and Dragons, first edition Dungeons and Dragons, and every pretty much every uh, TSR product from their uh, Boot Hill, uh, Top Secret, and even some obscure ones like the Morrow Project. And have been waiting for a science fiction game that is better than Gamma World. And it's been a long wait. Uh, Traveler was good. I did play Traveler with the Zanti High Lightning, and uh, which was awesome, but a uh, very long time ago. So, uh, you know, I, I love all things in the holy trinity of science fiction, fantasy, and horror, of course. Video games, World of Warcraft, card games, gambling, you name it. I like it. it so who are you playing? What is your character? All right, so my character is, I can read you my description, but I am a uh, La, La Sunta de Mea, which is a, a, there's two sort of two different uh, species of, of La Sunta. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. But, you know, I guess in the course of our, our hour-long trip, I'll, I'll sort of, this will come out. In conversation that I grew up on uh, Castroval, which is the home planet of my race. Uh, it's not easy, even if you have a family. But uh, Hiroji had to survive on his wits and stealth to survive the many predators that populated the areas where he as an outcast orphan found himself. Hiroji struggled to stay 10 steps ahead of the fauna that sought to make dinner of him daily. Eventually, through wits, stealth, and in no small measure luck, Hiroji managed to find himself in one of the larger city-states on the planet, and he thrived there. Now that he was not constantly being hunted, he could devote his time to honing his skills as a petty sneak thief and general all-around rogue. All the time, all the time, the thoughts of being hunted lingered, and he vowed to venture out as a man and destroy those vermin that had hunted him. It was no surprise that at his ascension to manhood, he became uh, the Maya and not the crude Karasha. Charismatic and quick, 
uh, Hiroji caught the attention of a trained operative who had the misfortune, who he had the misfortune of trying to pickpocket. And instead of calling the authorities or worse, Darwin took him into the fold and trained him in the stealthy arts. Uh, after being a good earner for three years, Darwin set him up with some basic equipment and bid him good luck to seek his fortune among the stars. However, Hiroji had some unfinished business to take care of in the areas outside of Castroval. Thus began the great hunt. Hiroji was relentless in his pursuit of his predators of, of his homeworld, having tracked down and killed each one. A trophy is taken commemorating victory. With his lust for revenge on his childhood tormentor sated, uh, Hiroji ventured back to the city-state. It is at this time that he started to study the other life forms in the vast reaches of the galaxy. It's important to understand every aspect of life and what to expect, as this allows you to more easily prove that you are better than they are. Hiroji now seeks to explore the galaxy as hunter, ever searching for challenging new prey. That's my deal. Better than we are? Yes. Oh, oh, I, I, don't. Who's don't that dreamy fella? I'm just an everyday guy, you know, and just because, look, I'm human and we're on a human ship and we're headed to a human station where humans are rightfully the dominant species. I want you all to treat me just like a normal guy. Don't you don't need to defer to me. At any rate, oh, my, God, he's a country musician. <laughs> uh, my name's Rusty Carter. You know, look, I'm just headed to Absalom Station after, you know, doing doing some little work at some of the outer space stations and out of, you know, uh, some of the outer colonies I visited. I, you know, various types of work. It's not really that important. You may have noticed I rushed on board kind of at the last minute with no luggage, but that's just because I really want to get to Absalom Station. I wasn't, I wasn't in a hurry for any particular reason. That's fine. Beyond that, though, uh, the player, be me, would be Bob. And uh, like Chris, I actually started playing with the original basic D&D set, I think either fifth or sixth grade, when my older brother came home one day and had a little box with a bunch of things in it. I had just finished reading uh, The Lord of the Rings for the first time, I think, and found a new thing with orcs in it. And therefore, I was absolutely fascinated <laughs> with it. And I cannot say I've played every TSR game. I skipped D&D version 2 with prejudice. <laughs> Everything else that I've played ever since, including all D20 games. Cool. John, you want to introduce yourself next? Yeah, my name is uh, John. John Stats, uh, I guess my great geek cred is basically I used to be a developer for World of Warcraft for 10 years, and uh, I've always liked making games more than playing them. Uh, my role-playing experience, I want to say started in the 70s, but I don't know if I got the game in 79 or 80. I kind of, it's a little bit too, uh, too far back. But uh, yeah, I started out playing, uh, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and, uh, I spent most of my time authoring uh, homemade modules after my group, when they were bored, they would read the store-bought modules, you know, much to my chagrin. And so I had to actually write my own. So uh, that was kind of how I got into uh, computer game development, uh, just fleshing out, you know, as a level designer, I guess. My new, uh, let's see, my character, uh, most people call him Mo. You know, he's been saddled with a pretty rotten name. And so... uh, uh, his army buddies just went straight to the derivative, you know, call him Mo. And uh, right now, his, his his army days, which he basically refers to as his glory days now, he left the army too early. He didn't realize that uh, he had it good. Now he's trying to just make a honest buck like any other person. And, uh, you know, it's it's a little bit harder that he's a little bit older. Uh, he's He's... He's getting back into mercenary, having been turned away from the crime world. He's too incompetent and too bad judge, has terrible judgment and worse luck. So uh, 
the, all the criminals on Vesk Prime pretty much uh, turn him away and uh, say, you know, his his name isn't very good on the streets. So he's going back into the mercenary world, and uh, he got this uh, offer for uh, free transport, and that's kind of the uh, you know that's that's kind of the uh, the price he can afford at this point. So he's uh, he's looking for his easy score first big score you know <laughs> so uh that's that's his deal all right and to round things out i'm jason mcdonald sometimes end up people call end up calling me jay so either they're interchangeable i'm from pittsburgh the paris of Pennsylvania. i'm playing dr tuttle blacktail he is a isoki uh, mechanic he is kind of a distillation of write what you know the sort of technical you know it guy who has all sorts of technical prowess, but makes up for it with limited people skills. He's kind of the a junior researcher at a think tank on Verses, and he has to kind of you know supplement. He doesn't get his his projects don't get funded very often, so he has to supplement his income by going out and doing, as it were, field research. So, and accompanying him is the cybernetic hybrid dynamic response rover, also known as Cheddar. Uh, <laughs> he's big. He's yellow. He hits things with a stick. So he's kind of the personal bodyguard and also field test for uh, Tuttle's AI designs. And he has some non-disclosure forms that he'd like you all to sign just in case, because you're going to be seeing some proprietary tech and he doesn't want to actually share any of the patent rights with you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'd be happy to sign anything. Don't you worry. Just hand that paperwork over here and I'll look through it. So last but not least, I am Steven Glicker. I am the GM and the host for this game. I've been playing role-playing games for 40 years. I actually started in 1977. I got the Blue Box Edition. And what I remember vividly from that is that there were no dice in it. It actually came with this laminated card. And what you had to do is cut out little numbers. The card had numbers like 1 through 20. And you had to literally cut out the numbers, put them into a cup, and then pull out the numbers from the cup. And that's how you rolled the dice back then. And it was really, really hard to do. The numbers were impossible to pull out of the cup. But since then, I've played pretty much every single version of D&D. I played Traveler. Actually, my favorite game of all time is Tune. For those of you who ever played that game, that game is fantastically goofy. I played a ton of Pathfinder. I've done so many adventure paths. That's my thing. I love to do adventure paths. Uh, we did Age of Worms, and we did Karen Crown, we did Kingmaker, doing Iron Gods now, we started Strange Eons, we've just done tons and tons of those, and we wanted to do something new. I love Pathfinder, but I've seen a lot of it, and I've been dying to do science fiction. It's why one of the reasons we actually even did Iron Gods, so once this came about, we decided right away that we were going to do it. And I played and ran a lot of it at Gen Con and thought it was just fantastic and can't wait to see where this all goes. So with that being said, I wanted to ask Thirsty if he could introduce everyone to the Starfinder Society and give a little background of what you know about the Society and what to expect now that you are going to become members. Yeah, so the, the Starfinder Society, if, if any of you are familiar with, with Pathfinder, there's the the Pathfinder Society. The, the Starfinder Society is a is a similar organization that's a group of explorers in space who are searching the known and unknown galaxy to find interesting things, to chart the 
temporal edges of the big Starfinder mystery, which is known as the Gap, which is basically a period of time that has disappeared. Uh, during that time, the planet of Galarian, where Pathfinder is based on, also disappeared. So that was a big push for the Starfinder Society originally. Uh, it has since shifted its focus a bit away from that since there isn't a lot of information on the gap. And now is acting more as like a general exploration and research organization. So didn't something really terrible just happen to the Starfinder Society recently? Well, the, the Starfinder Society, as, as we start off, is actually going through a really, really rough time. Just a couple months ago, the... Starfinder Society lost 80% of its membership and most of its assets and resources in a massive undertaking to a star system called the Scoured Stars. This big expedition went there. They were sent there under their, their leader, the First Seeker, which is sort of the elected leader of the Starfinder Society. That First Seeker led the Starfinder Society into the Scoured Stars. And shortly after they arrived, all communication with the Starfinders there was lost. And a giant gold force field appeared around the star system, not admitting anyone in or letting anything out. And it has been several months since then, and no sign of anyone getting into that star system or any word on what happened to pretty much all of the Starfinders. <laughs> nice. I like that. So they need new recruits. Absolutely. Uh, they have just managed to sort of hold on to their organizations through the efforts of one Luazi El Sebo, who she has come on to take the title of nominated first speaker, uh, sort of keeping the society together in the aftermath of this disaster. As a bit of a personal promotional plug, uh, all of the, the Scoured Stars storyline is sort of what starts off our organized play campaign. So for those of you who go to Gen Con or other major conventions, think of the Scoured Stars incident and sort of this, this big loss. Imagine a table of, you know, a thousand plus players at Gen Con, except they lost. That's where the campaign starts. That's um, great. I love and that. You, and you can find more information about sort of that storyline through the organized play campaign, which I think you guys might be dipping your toes into that at some point. But uh, even Dead Suns sort of ties into a bit of that as well. So you're saying our odds of survival are bleak. If you want money, uh, the Starfinder Society can certainly pay you. Uh, oh, I like the sound <laughs> of that. We're used to bleak. Ignore all the stuff about next of kin at the bottom of the form. <laughs> awesome. Actually, one question about that, though. What happens when someone tries to take the drift inside of the golden sphere around the star system? It, it is entirely inaccessible. Ships simply do not phase back into the star system. They end up basically on the outskirts of this golden, uh, this golden energy field. Cool. So wait, what were they doing there in the first place? Uh, the the previous first seeker, a uh, Kasatha by the name of Jednura, discovered a very powerful artifact that defied all sorts of investigation and eventually led him to the Scoured Stars, where he undertook a big mission and convinced basically 80% of the society to follow him. And they were never heard for, from again. Yeah, and it's only been, and then that's another thing, it has only been just a few months since that. So you're saying there are some job openings. Correct. Which is why you guys are advertising like crazy, because you need to fill the ranks. Everywhere you go, everywhere you look, there is an ad for Starfinder Society where they will pay you well. What was that part about paying? Yeah, I like that part. And I also, as long as it leads me to places where I can hunt, then I'm, I'm good with that. 
The Starfinder Society offers credits to all of its agents as long as they are willing to perform missions on behalf of the society. They get to have access to the equipment they find and get a very, very modest or very, very reasonable, I should say, pay from the society. Oh, there it goes with the reasonable. All right. Reasonable. (laughs) Sounds good to me. So let me see if we got this straight. We have Mo, who is Worf. We have Oroji, who is Julian Bashir. We have Tuttle, who is Miles O'Brien, and then we have Rusty, who is Vic Fontaine. <laughs> I like Vic. I like that reference. Mm. No, I, he's not I, like I would go with perhaps some other version, but okay, sure. I didn't actually prepare an accent, so I'm not sure I could go with that. Uh, though I'm, I got elements of season one stuffy, full of himself, Bashir, though too. I don't know. Well, you guys could also be the A team. You have Mo as B A Baracus. You have Hiroji as Hannibal. You have Tuttle as uh, Mad Murdock, and then Rusty is, of course, Face. I'm totally Face. There's no question about that. Is is the name Tuttle from Brazil? Is that where that's comes? Not intentionally. It's a mash reference. I was just looking for something that sounded kind of mousy, I guess, and that that's where yeah. I ended up settling. Yeah. The original reference comes from Mash. Oh, that does sound familiar. Yeah, it's the uh, the non-existent right doctor. Yes, yes. I, I can't, I can't yeah. remember what. Yeah, that was just the fake name that they just made up on the spot. I always thought that Brazil got it from uh, Mash. Excellent. Since we have the guy who is literally the almanac for Starfinder Society sitting at our table today, do we have any additional questions about the society or the pack worlds? The system, since we have the guy who literally wrote the book sitting here. I absolutely did not write the book on this. That would be Owen Casey Stevens, who wrote the article. <laughs> well, I don't know about Absalon Station much. I just, I have limited life experience of being on my planet, which is quite nice. But, I mean, from what I understand, it is a, it's basically a, a floating city, right? In orbit. Absolutely. It, it occupies the space where Galarian once orbited the sun. Ah, nice. Can we have a moment of silence for Galarian? You'll, you'll be having lots of moments of silence for it. Zombie Bonner? <laughs> uh, oh, I got a handout. Yes, I sent you a handout of what Absalon Station looks like. Oh, yes, uh, that's the cool. second one there. I keep meaning to ask, which side of it faces the sun? It's a Boston album cover is what it is. I, 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 it, it rotates gradually, uh, sometimes the bottom, sometimes the top. Oh, that's... A perfectly reasonable answer, actually. Yeah. It's not like Dark City. It's dark City. I was just going to say Dark. I'm trying to yeah. think of what was yeah. that movie. <laughs> That's great. Uh, well, is there any way that I can go down to the depths and become a god? Oh, that's a, that's a thought, right? Yeah. The star. That's, See, the that's star stone twelfth level in in Starfinder doesn't isn't specifically called out as doing that anymore. Instead, the the star stone on Absalom Station fulfills a very different role, which is. It allows for super fast drift travel. So if you are anywhere in the drift and you want to go to Absalom Station, it is a very quick trip to Absalom Station from anywhere in the galaxy. That's interesting. So uh, the so the planet invaders? disappeared, but the stars the star stone stayed there. That's, Correct. Wow. Are invaders or attackers able to use the benefit of the Star Stone to come here and attack us? Absolutely. Excellent. I'm sure Absalom Station's very well-liked and heavily defended. Heavily defended is an excellent term for it, yes. Mm. Well, it looks like a great land of opportunity. I'm game, and it looks like there might be lots of prey there. What are the laws? Am I allowed to? I, I'm carrying, we're all carrying weapons, right? So 
Oh yeah. Is that is it open carry legal? <laughs> in in a lot of places, uh, open carry is is completely fine. There's a lot of dangerous stuff going on in the galaxy, right? You might not say get away with uh, walking around with a full machine gun at a dinner party, but something like a pistol, a sword, even in a lot of cases, rifles are completely acceptable. It's kind of like the old west, almost. Absolutely. And again, that that's just more for Absalom Station. It depends really what part of the station you're in. So you yeah. wouldn't say it's necessarily a wretched hive of scum and villainy. <laughs> I, w- I would suggest certain parts of it would fit that that cantina view. Yes. The, the lawyers would prefer you not say that. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I don't well, think they're going to allow cheddar his kind in some places. <laughs> Isn't the Starfinder Society in the nicest part of the station? Absolutely. They're in a section of the station called the Lorespire Complex. All right. Well, and we're going to be headed there first, I think, because we're going to see what opportunities are available to us. But I would like to know, in addition to any resources, does the Starfinder Society have any pull with the local constabulary? The stewards, I believe they're called. Absolutely. Um, one thing about the, the Scoured Stars incident was that it, it really it really hit the Starfinder Society's social and political clout. Since they lost so many resources, they, they simply do not have the pull that they used to, which is not to say that they don't have pull. But a lot of these organizations, they're a bit more sheepish about going to and asking for help, especially because they've been asking for help for the past several months to keep the society going. So while they do have it, they kind of reserve that pull for important circumstances. So brand new recruits don't get like a PBA card that they can show to the cops and get out of jail free or like walk off tickets? Absolutely. Absolutely not. However, if if characters had, you know, some, some really cool background that maybe they want to get in touch with organizations or maybe they want to uh, get, get records deleted that, of stuff they've done in the past – well, doing a couple missions for the Starfinder Society might make the society more inclined to uh, help those players out. Does that interest you, Rusty? You sound like you might have some issues. Oh, no, just just the opposite. I, I got some friends myself with uh, quite a number of different groups. And so, you know, I was just wondering if we had friends in common. That's all. Hmm, okay. I just like to know who I'm traveling with. <laughs> I've been meaning to ask, are those things from your head, do you use them if you're going to go traveling into a tunnel? You send your antenna in first to see if it's wide enough for the rest of your body to follow? Are you saying you're taking a bet on what those antenna are for? Yeah, I'm just checking. He actually uses them to hold his comm unit to take selfies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, there are, we live in a vast galaxy with lots of different races. You do realize that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is this an independent uh, station? Is it uh, allied with, like, does, do the VESC have any, uh, I don't want to say autonomy. I don't know what the word would be. Are are there local areas of the station that are under different type of governorships or? Well, Absalom Station is is certainly part of the, the Pact Worlds, which is the basically the the federation of all the planets in the Galarian system who've sort of banded together uh, originally to fight off the Vescarium and now the the greater threat that has recently come up of the swarm, this race of insect related to the, the Sheeran's history. The the Vesk certainly have a Roll in Absalom Station, and they they constitute about three percent of the station's population. And considering the station is about two million people, uh, that's that's still a good chunk. They they do 
have a fair bit of presence in some of the areas, particularly uh, one ethnic enclave called the Vesk Quarter. Yeah. Hmm. Well, we're so big. I mean, we can't help but have a presence. So, you yeah. know. Uh, but but as far as, you know, like autonomy and stuff, the Absalom Station is, is firmly part of the, the Pact Worlds, which is a, a different um, overall empire than the Vesk area. Right. Right. Let it go, Jake. It's the Vesk Quarter. <laughs> <laughs> so weren't the Vesk like the bad guys that we were at war with for a long time until something much worse came about? And now we are friends with them, sort of. Is it kind of like Russia or like the Cardassians? Kind of like the Klingons. They're kind of like Klingons. Like, eh, you can't help it. There are elements of all of those things. Yes. So we're not at war with them currently, but we will be. <laughs> you better hope you know, you won't be. I really, I really hope we don't. The only have a good war dead, with the, the only good Vesk is a dead. Ve- oh wait, sorry, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I just I really hope we don't have a war with the Vescarium because we we would tear so many player groups apart with that. Since the Vesk are a core race. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a great idea. Excuse me. Yeah. You know what I love about the Vesk is they're really original in their planet naming. They have like Vesk 1, Vesk 2, Vesk 3. They just keep using numbers on all their planets. They, they, any planet they conquer just gets added to the greater Vesk numbering system. We're advancing mathematics. What can we say? They're a simple but proud people. <laughs> Vesk don't have time to name planets. They don't got time <laughs> for names. They don't got time to bleed. So what about the Raft folk? What's the, their deal? Yeah, do my people have a good presence on this place? Uh, the Ahsoki? Yeah, they, they, they certainly do. Um, they have, let's see, wow, they are 9% of the population. But in weight, that's like half of what the Vesk's 3% is. So right. you could go by Space tonnage. Uh, tonnage. They, they, op- they operate out of several different areas in the station, but there's a specific section called Bot Scrap, which is essentially the... Biovats and recyclers break down, breaking stuff down. The Yusoki work out of there, out of a large like salvage union that they operate, where they basically collect spare parts and build crazy, crazy things, often to deal with gangs of goblin squatters. So wait, the goblins go after the Yusoki? Well, more like the Yusoki build cool robots to go after the goblins. Excellent. They have goblins. I like that. I'll need, to, I'll need to go take some notes there, I think. <laughs> wow, that is really cool. So what about the Lashinta? What about those guys? Yes, the Lashinta are quite advanced. Like uh, They're they're about 7% of, of the station. Um, like, considering their homeworld is in the same system, that's still pretty good. They don't necessarily have a... Um, they, they don't have, like, Lashinta Town or anything in Epsilon Station. They're just more of a, a mingled group since... Again, th- their home world is in the same system, much as the Yusoki have a really strong presence on Akaton, the red planet. And what about this last one? I don't know how to pronounce it. Is it Human? Is that it? Then you gotta go with Human. The I'm Uman. a human, seventy-five percent probably. Forty-six uh, percent of the station, so roughly half of the station. Well, I mean, it's our station, but we are a, a, a you know, we're we're a generous species, and Just we accept wow. the rest of you. You know, are okay. Stupid breeding <laughs> race. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> and is there a Chipotle? That's the important <laughs> question. Oh, fifteen <laughs> at least. Uh, I hear tell that there is a some sort of. That's not exactly a planet also, but it's a large colony ship somewhere around here. 
Correct. That that belongs to the one of one of the the new races to Starfinder, um, the the Kasatha, who also showed up in Pathfinder in some material. But uh, the Kasatha, their colony ship, the Adari, has sort of taken up position within the Pact World Solar System after coming to colonize the planet and realizing, oh damn, there's people here. Guess we can't do that. <laughs> so or we could try, but it would be a very bad idea. So they are, that's the four-armed race? Correct. Okay. What's the deal with them covering their mouths all the time? What's that? You know, funny work story. We recently had to have a talk about that and be like, well, we don't want to determine mouth cannon just yet, so it's still a mystery. Wow, that's really cool. So what's mm-hmm. going on with this Eox, an entire <laughs> world of undead? What the heck's going on there? Absolutely. Undead or sentient? Why not? Un- undead are sentient, and they are in-, in Starfinder compared to Pathfinder. You will find that just because creature is undead does not mean it's evil. Oh, that's interesting. So there is a there there is a very different view on alignment. You'll see, and uh, and a lot less of an emphasis on alignment uh, in Starfinder. Is that a player race? Uh, no, it is not. <laughs> you want to be you want to be an undead. Absolutely. Yeah. I would have issues with that. So wait, could we have undead paladins? Uh well paladin <laughs> isn't a class, so wah wah wah. Yeah. Oh right, I forgot that the new Starfinder classes aren't limited by alignment. Damn you, Pathfinder, for polluting my <laughs> brain. And yet Iomide is still around. Oh there we go, there we go, there we go. Okay, I can talk about this. Shameless plug the second. The Starfinder Pact Worlds hardcover book that releases in March twenty eighteen will have a new playable race, including the Undead Eoxian. Oh, that's excellent. Nice. You heard it here. Wow, that's awesome. So, John, what I'll do is when that comes out, I'm going to kill off your character, and then you can come back as Mo the Undead Vest. John's going to start taking a lot of needless risks right around that time. (laughs) That's right. I mean, (laughs) don't have to wait that long. You you can just use the some of the the undead rules that I'm sure will be appearing in Alien Archive next month. Bam. Hey. Okay. Sorry. I swear I'm done. The shameless plug. That's all right. I mean, I, we're <laughs> gonna buy everything anyway. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> That's actually a fantastic idea because it's actually pretty hard to resurrect in Starfinder, much harder than Pathfinder. And if you could actually come back as an undead character. That would be freaking fantastic. Might be the most popular character class. Yeah, that would be awesome. Everyone could be undead. Everyone could start off alive and then end up undead. Well, I mean, there's undead and there's undead. I mean, there's zombie and there's vampires. You know, there's yeah. a big difference. And, and, and you'll you'll see a lot of like different races. And we've we've talked about like with Alien Archive. I think we have twenty plus playable races in it. Wow. Okay. All right, because great. because right. one of the Holy goals of crap. Starfinder is to make more things playable. Because right. aliens are cool, and being able to play aliens is cool. Okay, first of all, any dark yes. tapestry races? Um, there is dark tapestry stuff present in the book. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> spoilers, Bob. Spoilers, I, I spoiler Bob. Face. Don't spoil it. The, <laughs> the king crybaby of spoilers. Oh my god. <laughs> so let me get this straight. We're gonna play like levels one and two. Alien archive's gonna come out. Everyone's gonna die or yeah. suicide their characters, <laughs> and then they're all gonna come back as these new cool we'll races. We'll be able to lose his gut finally. <sighs> and then you'll make it to March, and then all the new stuff the new cool options in the Pack Worlds book will be out. And then they'll have the second TPK of the king. Yes. Yep. Excellent. You know, you know, that's actually not such a bad idea. <laughs> it's a terrible idea. 
you know, you guys can just keep dying and then moving your consciousness into other races and beings like Dax from Star Trek. Yeah, you don't know. As far as I'm concerned, it's hard to improve upon perfection of the Lashinta. So there you go. (laughs) On the other hand, every once in a while, if an ongoing story is happening, hey, a dramatic death definitely moves the plot along. Absolutely. Well, this is why we need to play Starfinder Society so we can try out all these cool new races and classes, and since we have an in, maybe we can even get some of the new sessions early. Maybe? Fancy that. Hmm. All right. And then we can all go to Gen Con. Nice. Actually, I already go to Gen Con every year. You guys are the ones that need to go to Gen Con. Uh, I know. I think I'm going to. Actually, what you guys need to do is also go to PaizoCon, because PaizoCon was awesome. Close second to Gen Con. Very different, but man, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, very different events. Actually, PaizoCon probably be more. It's it's less. I'm sure it's less crowded, right? Gen Con is a, a zoo. Gen Con is a zoo, and yeah. PaizoCon's a lot more focused on Pathfinder. Yeah, Finder. I like that. So, any final hints and tips that we should know about Starfinder for those people who have played about a thousand sessions of Pathfinder combined easily? Uh, I mean, they're. Starfinder at its core is a very similar game. You will notice most things are pretty much the same. There are, however, differences. And I always like stressing that there are differences, particularly with lots of small things. And you want to pay attention and be sure to read the rules, but also know that getting the rules wrong doesn't matter. You learn you learn what, what's changed and you add it in as you get to it. So to, to anyone listening... Don't be emailing the hosts of, well, you missed this bonus if they if they made it this type of attack because th- th- you're gonna you're gonna be learning this and all tables are gonna be doing that especially players who come from Pathfinder. Yeah, um, stick around though. We do have some pretty epic rules lawyer fights. <laughs> um, <laughs> what I yeah. what I oh, you're saying if I accidentally <laughs> kill the rat by shooting it in the back of the head, it's okay. It's just one of those things we learn from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what I would say is, again, like small things, I would say pay attention to things you may be used to from Pathfinder, like charging. Charging is now a penalty to hit and a penalty to your armor class. So there's no bonus for charging except for getting more speed. Things like a five-foot step are different now in how they work. It is now a move action. And even things like step up is a reaction, which is an entirely new type of, of uh action you have yeah it kind of replaces like an immediate action i'm guessing right so in 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 some cases it's things like taking attacks of opportunity and Mm -hmm. certain spells like yeah on an immediate but all all those sorts of things are are very different and they take some getting used to one thing that i will also stress because i've been seeing a lot from my position especially as we're coming out with our first scenarios people often get really scared when they get hit and take damage and starfinder is a game where you're going to get hit and you're going to take damage yes more more than pathfinder even the base math behind monsters and npcs which by the way is no longer the same structure that players use to build their characters monsters and npcs are built using a different set of rules you'll often find that certain enemies you encounter have you know Man, they sure do have a 70% chance of hitting me and doing damage. And you really need to start using things like cover, uh, some of the new actions like harrying fire and whatnot to to get a tactical advantage. But also realize that death is not quite as brutal as it used to be in Pathfinder either. Running away and leaving my party to die, is that still a viable strategy? Totally. Okay. 
Yeah, I, I, I like the way that they've done uh, the hit point change is, I think, fantastic with the stamina points and it's sort of like your uh, temporary hit point buffers. And then once that once that's to zero, you start taking real damage. Like, right. That's how it works, I think. Right. Yeah. Where it's, yeah, that that I think is great because, you know, obviously in Pathfinder, you know, one of the um, things that you come across a lot is you, you really have to have some source of healing constantly. You know, you, you sort of have to have a cure light wounds wand, you know, even at very low levels. And uh, I, I guess there's there is sort of artificial healing in in, uh, in technological devices, but having that buffer is, and then being able to rest with resolve points to to make that buffer go back to its full is great. I think that's a really, I think it works really well. I think that's a that's a good sort of um, elegant fix to that. And, and one final thing, because you you bring up resolve points and resting. Always be mindful of your resolve points. Uh, you can use them to rest outside of combat, which gets you all your stamina back. Sure is awesome. Resolve points are also your your awesome pool. So if you remember, Pathfinder had about six or seven different class pools, like Chi or grit. Panache. Right. Or yeah. It's all resolve now. Yeah. So So it is your pool of, I can do an awesome thing. However, the third part of that is it's also the pool that when you are taken down to zero hit points and dying, it's resolve that's going to save your life. So you kind of have to balance if I do all these cool actions repeatedly, oh, I don't have any of these points and then a lucky shot takes me down. uh, Oh, I might be dead. So things that are just different and you want to keep those on your head because I would like to see you characters survive for more than a session. Yeah, <laughs> that is the goal. Well, I'm going to hide behind the vest. That's always a good there you go. cover. That's that. That is also a great strategy. <laughs> that that, that seems like a good idea. Yeah, a lot of us can yeah. fit behind that vest. So I just wanted to say, both to you guys and the listeners, is that this is not normal session for us. This is almost like a session zero, where we're going over not just the characters and who we are and what we're playing, but to even go over the universe, since it's completely brand new and we have access to Thirsty, I wanted to go over not just what to expect in this world and this universe, but to know how it's different from Pathfinder, since we played that so much, and other fantasy role-playing games. And this is really probably the first science fiction role-playing game I've played in probably 30 years since the original Traveler, if not longer. The most important thing is that the monsters are... Except they do have goblins, which I like. Space goblins. Oh, but they're space goblins, though. You don't know their way. You don't technologically... I know if they can bleed, then they can die. That's what I know. And there's dwarves and elves Ah, and all the other original Pathfinder races, too. Um, Are there elves? I've seen dwarves in (laughs) the others. Okay. Yeah. I've seen them on the list of any population. All right. They, they, they're they're a bit more insular than they were even previously, but they uh, they hang out on Castrovel. All right. So final thing, Thirsty, and then we're going to start playing the actual session is like, what would you recommend for both my players and listeners who are starting with Starfinder that you saw at Gen Con um, that you would recommend people to know about? One thing I noticed when I was GMing a Gen Con is because iterative attacks are gone, that monsters hit really, really hard now. And my PCs were stunned when they were basically almost one-shotted from a single attack pretty regularly. Yeah, I, I think it's important. Uh, and it goes goes kind of what we were just talking about with Starfinder's news. So, oh man, I, I can't reverse engineer the stat block on this creature because I know what, what level of spell, so what DC it's got. There isn't as much of that, and it's... In fact, there's really none of that in Starfinder when you're fighting NPCs and creatures. So in a lot of cases, 
you'll get that initial surprise of something. One thing I've seen a lot of and kind of talking on, on Gen Con, boy, I, I sure saw players who got freaked out when they were playing their first, uh, first level mission and one of the enemies had a plus 10 bonus to hit. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that can happen. Yep. Uh, it's it's going to be scary, but I think players are going to to start to ease into that and and understand that yeah, you're going to take hits in this game and how you deal with that is going to be pretty important. Now that I've put the fear of god into you, uh, <laughs> we're all going to die. We're all going to die. Oh boy. <laughs> Is, is there a My Little Pony role-playing game we can play instead? Uh, oh, I would totally play that. But Are you a brony? Really? Oh, I'm not a brony. I, actually, I've been meaning to ask, will uh, horses and ponies become a playable race in March? That's what I wanted to know. <laughs> uh, uh, I do not know. <laughs> I am unfamiliar with the, the pony race. At this well, point. when you meet with Paizo this week, can you just put in a request <laughs> for the pony race? But I will, I will make a... a far-fetched prediction, there will be some third-party publisher that will have already published rules for that. <laughs> Actually, there is a Pathfinder-compatible yeah. game called Pony Finder where you can play ponies, and we will be playing that right after we finish Dead Sun. Well, I'm ready to advance. I'm ready to go to Absalon Station. I'm kind of feeling like we gotta get into this and start doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in. All right. Yeah. I'm in. Okay, so let's get started. You have all met each other. You've talked about the system, the station. You've had some watered-down coffee and some stale donuts. And the shuttle pulls into docking bay number 94, where you leave and see in front of you a brightly lit dock of Absalon Station. And it is abuzz with activity as travelers bristle by, prepared to board or disembark from starships bound to or from any dozens of worlds. Rash and swaggering star pilots, scurrying Yusoki mechanics, hard-faced asteroid miners, imposing Vesk mercenaries, and more, creating a microcosm of abundance and a variety of life in the pack worlds. New arrivals meet friends, loved ones, or business contacts, and are whisked away into the humming activity of daily life on the vast space station. Beyond them, ground crews tend to the dock ships and dock workers, and mechanized cargo lifters load and unload freight and baggage. A sharp tang of ozone hangs in the air, a byproduct of electrical discharges from the docked ships. But underneath, the station's atmosphere has a slightly used aroma. The docking bay's deck plates thrum beneath your feet. Though whether it's from the passage of many, many feet or the vibrations of the station's power conduits and air recycling systems, it is impossible to say. Scanning through the crowd, you see a dwarf in front of you, waving at you, and he seems to say... Oh, hi. W- welcome to Absalom Station. You look over and see Creel, who appears to be rather tall and lanky for a dwarf with a bristling iron-gray beard and deep-set eyes beneath bushy eyebrows. With his patched and stained overalls, the dwarf just like looks like just another dock worker, but the badge bearing the symbol of the Starfinder Society stands out clearly on his chest. He quickly looks at his computer, looks back at you, and you're about to walk over when suddenly the dock starts to fill with screams as laser fire fills the air. A conduit is hit, sparks fly, the area is filled with gas and smoke as something else was hit, and Creel goes down in a crumble as he, too, is hit by the laser fire. 
So that means combat's about to begin, which means it's time for... Roll for combat! (laughs) (laughs) So this is probably a good place to stop right now. We can pick up the next session, start with the combat, see how you guys work together as a team, find out if Creel is alive or dead, and hopefully you guys can live past the very first round of combat. (sighs) These guys really need to work on their welcoming committee. Action number one, I run away. (laughs) (laughs) get used to that (laughs) yeah you're joking get used to that foreshadowing (laughs) so i'll see you guys next week on roll for combat you've been listening to roll for combat a starfinder actual play podcast if you have a question or comment for the show please visit us at rollforcombat.com or drop us a line at contact at rollforcombat.com You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, Discord, and other social media platforms. been listening to roll for combat until next week always remember it's all fun and games until the healer runs out of spells